everybody. You're listening to The Bull and the Badger, a podcast about Asian American mental health. And hello, I'm Vanessa. I'm the Badger. Hi, everybody. I'm April. I'm the Bull. Um, this podcast is an offshoot of Vanessa's documentary called The Laundromat. Vanessa, what's your, uh, your one, 10, 15 second pitch about your film? Yeah, I guess, I mean, the way that I always introduce my film is this is my really intense film about how Asian American families don't talk to each other. And then if I get another sentence, I add, but it's really about learning to uh, become an adult and uh, learning how to relate to your parents differently, learning how to relate to your community differently, and uh, how I do that with all my friends, (laughs) basically. That's the topic. There are many topics and it is super duper intense. It makes me cry every single time I watch it, although every single time means twice. But I cry both times. Um, It's a super intense movie, but this podcast is meant to take mental health and discussions around mental health and the Asian American community um, in a lighter hearted way. If that makes any sense. (laughs) I think I think I think they get it. I, I, if you've been listening so far, we've covered topics from personality to food to um, our own experiences with therapy or what we just wanted to be when we grew up. And so, you know, this this podcast is definitely about just covering the range of topics um, so that Asian mental health is not, um, you know, just a one dimensional topic. It's got nuances and it's got layers and it's got so many parties involved because even the word Asian Americans is kind of too broad. Um, But if you do ever want to check out the Laundromat documentary, um, you can check out my website, which is at thelaundromat.com. And uh, from there, you can read stories of uh, people who are learning how to speak up, how to um, react against silence and shame, and also um, just uh, trying to find connection with other people who are going through these same things. So... um, In addition to that, you can also see a trailer for the movie. So uh, I guess today's topic specifically is about kind of those um, inner inner monologues that you have with yourself. And um, April, can you tell me a little more about what what this topic is about? Well, when I think of inner monologues or inner voices or even inner dialogues, if you have more than one psyche sort of talking to you in your mind, which totally makes me sound like a crazy person, but it's just all about... What is the what are about what are the voices in your mind that sort of bring you down, even if it's your own? Like what mental loops do you get stuck in and sort of lead you down, you know, negativity or feeling bad about yourself and just you know your own brain kind of treating you not very nicely, and um, that's something that I myself definitely have a lot of experience in. I suppose there there's a lot of looping. I suppose. No, I totally hear that. And I mean, usually like we try to start this off with like kind of a funny, a funnier kind of story. But I I mean, like I think each of us has our own um, struggles with hearing the bad voices and and stuff like that. But um, I don't know any 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 light banter (laughs) we need to engage in before we dive right in. Well, what are some what are some of the things that you hear in your in your head that you wish you wouldn't? 
Oh man, uh, I I take uh, failure very personally. Um, I turn I internalize it a lot, and I I actually attribute it to character flaws versus just like behavioral things. And I I I hear that's something that Asians are taught to do. That you know um, that uh, you know Westerners attribute kind of guilt to behavioral things, and then um, uh, you know more Eastern cultures are all about. Uh, shame being something that's related to who you are and you know that however that plays itself out for me um i'm definitely like oh i'm not a good person i could have tried harder i could have been better it's like that word to be versus to do like i could do better versus i could be better and so that distinction for me is like it's it's always something that's me and um yeah i don't know uh specifically i think uh uh, whenever I feel like I've let down a friend, um, even at work, uh, if I do something wrong, what I do I, is identify what I've done wrong and then figure out how I could have solved the situation, which I think is like really productive way to approach work. But then sometimes you also internalize a failure, even if you haven't, you're not responsible for it. If you're not responsible for like a technological thing, you know, like, well, maybe I should have done this like slightly better. And sometimes I think when you hear those voices and you play those negative voices a lot, then you forget to recognize any of the good stuff that you've done, especially. So that's why it's, it's, it's good for me to get positive feedback at work because most of the time I feel like I'm messing it up. Oh, well, for me, it's a lot of fighting, not necessarily with myself, but I'm just picking fights, just picking fights in my head and like trying to win them. Like dumb stuff, serious stuff, stuff that's happened like eight years ago. Um, one of my friends kind of said something to another friend of mine at a party that I found a bit offensive and kind of mean and unnecessary. And literally like, I don't know, eight years ago. And I still have it like creeping that fight that I want to like, respond in a way that I didn't back then and just like really like like express how I wasn't happy about it and um stuff like that someone who cut me off in traffic like terrible road rage type things like just like stay in my head for so long and I can just find myself thinking about someone who cut me off or like gave me a dirty look or whatever and I think that you get something out of it you know or at least I get something out of it there's some kind of like energy I feel with the like mental fighting but it's also exhausting it's you know exhilarating on one hand but it's exhausting on another hand and um I don't know. No, I totally, to totally hear you. Um, and I think uh, before I launch into what um, what I got from that discussion, um, I think we should introduce our guest. Why don't we do that? Our guest is um, his name is King Tran. He's a friend of mine, and he he is a uh, fellow Orange Countyan, like I am. That's, can you try another word that was awful? Orange Countyan? I don't know. What, like what? <laughs> Kang, do you know another word? I thought we were called yuppies. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I would high five you if my hand wasn't sopping with sweat. <laughs> That's pleasant. No, maybe his hand is too. And then this, never mind. No, no. We went to gross, sweaty places with that. But we can talk about our palms later. Oh, good, good. Okay, so um, yeah. What else about him, uh, April? Well, how did we meet, King? Why don't you go into that story? I think we met online. Uh huh. Would you like to elaborate? I think I wrote you like a stupid message about dinosaurs or something like that. <laughs> Whoa. I went to know more. And then you looked at my profile and there was nothing there. <laughs> but she still hung out with me anyway. It was kind of neat. Um, okay, so can I, can I ask what about dinosaurs? Was it like triceratops? Are we talking pterodactyls? Like what's going on? I don't remember, but I remember finding it charming. Yeah, it was very charming. <laughs> No, that's because dinosaurs are the best. I mean, like, whenever I want to go to, like, straight epic theme, I'm like, you know? Yes. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? You guys are thinking of the song. Like... So, all this time, I've only known the instrumental version. <laughs> there are lyrics, people. No, I think I get that from, know? like, a Family Can Guy. You make it longer? I think that's from a Family Guy episode oh, or, or so from Simpson. Yeah, well, I'm not going to take credit for it. I just said, you know, family guy or whoever. <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. It's like theme music and lyrics trademarked by. I just did it. I'm sorry. We can't remove it. I think it's too good. <laughs> well, anyway, um, we, invi- we invited King here because um, I, you know, getting to know him over the past, what, year or two, I don't know. He's just a very smart, very opinionated, very intelligent um thoughtful guy and he likes to have discussions about interesting things and i don't know i thought he'd be a really cool asset thanks <laughs> well um tell us a little about yourself like um if you don't mind like where you grew up like what your ethnic background is and then um yeah kind of um you know like when you heard the topic of inner voices what were your first thoughts so all those things all at once go Oh boy! Inner, Your background is it inner dialogue? Inner inner, inner dialogue, inner dialogue, inner monologue, and inner soliloquy. But first, more about you. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I'm uh, technically. This is where words fail me because I don't know how to describe myself. Am I technically Vietnamese American or not? Because I'm one of those people who grew up Vietnamese, but I'm not really, you know, um, I'm really more Chinese and Cambodian. So, but I don't really speak either of those anyway. So I also didn't even know, I didn't even understand my ethnic background until I was like 22 or something like that, because my parents didn't really tell me that kind of thing. Um, it was sort of funny because my dad was like, you know, as you know, we're not Vietnamese. And I was like, what? what? As you know. <laughs> he was about to explain At some... 22. Yeah, That's he, such he, a dad like phrase. Yeah, to yeah. Start I mean, something. he was totally going to explain some big thing to me. He's, and he's, of course, you got to set the, you know, just remind of everyone the things that they already know, right? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you failed, dad. So I'm like, what do you mean I'm not Vietnamese? You know? You didn't get that email, I guess. No, I didn't get that email. But, but it did make a lot of things make more sense when I was growing up. Because when, when my stepdad would take me around, who I believed was my dad at the time, 
other Vietnamese people would talk to him and be like, oh, this is your son, huh? Yeah. Oh, he doesn't look like you. I don't know. I guess not. Uh, he doesn't even look Vietnamese. <laughs> That's funny, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was just my dad's response to that sort of thing. And I just thought, isn't that funny? <laughs> when I was growing up. But, um, but uh, I've, I've lived in San Diego and I was born in uh, Artesia. Uh, I've lived in Los Angeles and mostly grew up in Orange County. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've always been a Californian. Kang is also a Bruin. Bruins! Woo! I think we'll just make it, like, a Bruin-only podcast. How's yes. that? We, we, who might we have failed on that? Kristen. Yeah. That's okay. Everybody, yeah. We'll just remove her. Okay. Just remove Would all you? the words from her podcast that she says. It'll just be you and I pausing. <laughs> Rewrite the Yeah, but there was so much love going on in that podcast that it would be hard to remove her presence. Um, Okay, great. So you're a California native. You're not really Vietnamese, more Cambodian and Chinese and and all that good stuff. Did that 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 like kind of mess with your head when you found that out? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It kind of screwed me up a lot, actually. Really? Because, well, you know identity is already kind of a weird thing for people from immigrant families you know so when all of a sudden what you've been thinking is totally off it just kind of messes with you a little bit so it's not a big deal it's but it's the worst part is really having to explain it i think that's all so where where do you i mean uh, not that i I didn't mind explaining it to you. That's fine. <laughs> oh, right. But having to explain it is kind of complicated, right? You're like, well, if I go, you know, like I have a friend who upon meeting her, she told me she was Vietnamese and then she said she was Chinese or no, she said she was Chinese first and then she said she was Vietnamese. So I was like, wait, which one is it? And I know that there's a lot of Chinese living in Vietnam, but she was like, no, it's a little different than that. And then like, I had to make like sit her down and like make her explain it. And like, that's, you know, like sometimes you're delving into family history that can be very like, you you know, like it gets twisted like along the way, especially, you know, um, back then, like, I just always assumed I was like Cantonese from Hong Kong, but I'm from like the villages and like yada, yada, yada. But what um, are your, so your parents, did they come here or were they born here? Uh, my parents came here in 75. Okay. Okay. But so where are you now in that process of like thinking about identity? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, was that not specific enough? I'm... No, no, I guess I don't think about that oh, okay. much these days. Um. Okay. <clears throat> well, I had some slightly similar experience. Um, it's kind of not too similar, but for all of my childhood, my dad told my sisters and me that we have like Italian ancestors because our last name sounds slightly Italian. Do you feel that way? Would you Would you understand that? I think it sounds Italian if you say it with an Italian accent. How would you say it? Like, Bolotro. <laughs> and then I would, like, use my hands and, and terrible Italian stereotype. Because all my experience with Italian Americans is, you know, like, on screen through The Godfather. So I think it could totally pass as a shell pasta. <laughs> I, I can't be, like a, like, a long one. I have to be a shelled pasta. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Because I just think, you know, like like pasta brands, Bertoli and Bellotro, you know? So I think, that, and that, I think that's a shell. Well, 
I mean, he, I mean, he really like kept up the charade for like 16 years of my life. And then ironically at an Italian restaurant admitted that he's like, no, I just made that up. And I was like, oh, feeling weird about my lasagna. <laughs> Less connected, less like this is my people's food. Exactly. Man, did you have to like, you know, like pray to the ghost of Marco Polo to forgive you? <laughs> Marco Polo? Yeah, he like stole pasta from the Chinese. Come on. Really? Marco Polo stole pasta from the Chinese? Well, is he patient maybe zero he- or <laughs> whatever? <laughs> oh, well, I think he may have just been inspired. That's the story. Is that? The Italians have pasta because, you know, Marco Polo went over there to the, you know, the Silk Road and was like, oh, look at that thing that they're eating. That looks delicious. Let's make our own, but not as good. Pasta's pretty good, dude. Yeah, I know. I just... I like my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, I kind of messed that up. Pasta. I know. I shouldn't have done it. I sh- shouldn't have gone there. I also love pasta so much. <laughs> um, the, the pasta firings are going to be very upset at you. Oh, no. The, the, their lobbyists are going to come after me in the night for sure. And I, I just want to publicly apologize right now. <laughs> to all the pasta. Yeah, I need a publicist. All your pasta peeps. <laughs> How did you know about them? <laughs> they make up the third largest part of my fan base. <laughs> wow. Now you have a fan base. Yes. Just like how you have Italian ancestry. <laughs> okay, so back to King. King, thoughts on inner inner dialogues? What um, were your first thoughts when you heard that? I thought my inner dialogue about it was that <laughs> it's like oh, it's like it's it's just like every day because <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I I think I'm much like April, where I have imaginary arguments with myself and with people, you know, um, even arguments that have never really happened, you know, but I just know that they could happen. So I want to be prepared. (laughs) And the worst part is sometimes I lose. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Mind blown. What is um, a common theme or like topic or person or situation that you construct in your mind the, <clears throat> a fight around? Um, I I guess one I have a lot is is fighting over whether something is sexist or not. Do you come down on people sort of being a little hair trigger, um, calling things sexist? Um, maybe. Um, I just have a particular way of looking at sexism that I know that not everybody shares so I just I I tend to think that I tend to think that sexism is a sexist is a very harsh term for example Um, and it tends to imply and said by itself, it tends to imply intentionality. Um, and so when I, f- since I feel that a lot of sexism is unconscious, um, uh, bias is a better term to use, you know, uh, referring to unconscious biases. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, I, I think, I think that we should be going towards a more equal society and everything, but I think that there's a kind of a proper way to talk about it and do about it 
like what in your mind is like the thing that sets off the argument? I guess when I see something that I know I see it and I think, man, that person would totally go crazy over this, you know, or something like that. Like if I'm walking into a restaurant and there's like a painting of a woman there or something like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, she'd totally get mad at this thing. And we'd have this huge argument. <laughs> this, she sounds specific. Uh, yeah, there, I, I did have a particular person that I argued with a lot at one time. So Interesting. And, and, when you lose an argument, is it usually around these topics or is it about something else? And which ones do you win? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, it did vary. It all it all varies a lot. Um, sometimes it's sometimes it's more personal. Um, I usually do okay with that <laughs> for myself. Um, and as as far as as far as debate topics go, it, 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 I don't know if anyone really ever wins those things in my head. It's just the type of thing that goes on and on, though, kind of like in real life, really. So. so you were saying that sometimes you rehearse these things in your head so that you can be prepared. Um, does it actually like work? You know, like does it actually prepare you for the next thing? Because sometimes when I think about my inner dialogue that I'm having with myself um, <clears throat> is to prepare me for the worst. Like, okay, this is the worst thing that can happen. Can you survive that? You know, like, can you today survive getting fired from your job? Because like getting fired from a, from a job for me would be like huge personal failure. And I would take that very like, like very deeply. So like, I'm actually mentally preparing myself for like, that's the worst case scenario. And if I can survive that, then I can move on, you know, mentally. But I'm, I'm wondering for you, um, does it play out that way? Like, does it play out that you feel like you're more prepared for situations? I, when I said that earlier, I'm, I'm not really sure how serious I really was, but, <laughs> but, but I, I don't, at the same time, I, I don't, it's not that I don't see some value in that, though. So I, I can definitely see that people might do that, uh, including yourself. So, um, and I, I don't know if I ever really honestly do it, it, it to be prepared. It's really more like a tick. It's, it's, it's more like, like a compulsion. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's yeah. more like a compulsion. Um, but um, I don't know if it really. I don't know if it really helps me. Um, is it? Is it ever a compulsion that you want? or you ever try to stop? Like, because I don't know about you, but for me, having these fights and, like, mental loops, it gets very... Um, I become, like, a... To say it very dramatically, I become, like, a prisoner in my head, you know? Where, like, I'm not really, like, paying attention to things going on outside me, but I'm just constantly having this, like, noise in my brain. Yeah, uh, I, I think... To some degree, I do try to limit it. Um, I, the, when this sort of thing comes to me a lot at um, basically as I live my life day to day, there's certain moments where there is silence, you know, and there's nothing I'm really doing or thinking about, um, and that's when it—that's when that kind of thing comes into my head. Um, 
So, for example, the walk from my garage to my front door is maybe 200 feet or something like that. And there's some raging arguments that occur <laughs> between just those two spaces because I'm not listening to any music, nobody's yeah. talking to me, and I'm not doing anything but walking. So that's yeah. where it happens.、Um, I'm so glad to hear someone say something like that. Like, because I remember very vividly, it's not exactly the same thing, but in college, Like every move that I made walking upstairs to the apartment,、um, very top. Reber? What? Oh, like the. What's the top level of something? Roof. Oh.、Okay. <laughs> That's like the penthouse? <laughs> walking penthouse. to the, the roof, like, you know, five steps to get to the door, then 10 stairs up, and then 10 steps to get to the spot where I was going. It's like every single thing in my head was like, Acknowledging my arm goes out. I da 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 da. Like, I have to like compulsively narrate every move that I make. And I don't know if that it's like trying to avoid having like the head noise, you know, or like is that just part of it? But like, I don't know. It's very nice to hear someone else have that experience of like when you have moments of quiet, like your brain goes crazy. I, I think I should try that.、Um. <laughs> Next time when I close my garage, I'm just gonna be like, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's honestly like, that's kind of one of the things that I learned in one of my like, you know, depression slash anxiety classes that when you have this like mental loop or fight or whatever negative thought going on in your brain, one of the ways to stop it is to play the stupidest game in the world called. The name game, which is you just look at the things around you and name them. And oftentimes, when I have like fights in my head, it's usually when I'm driving and I just, it just happens and I don't realize until maybe like five minutes into it that that's what I'm doing. And so then I stop and I go, there's a car, there's another car because there are plenty of them on the freeway, <laughs> there's a sign, there's a, a billboard or whatever. And it usually kind of stops the cycle. <laughs> Wait, if it's on the freeway. Okay. Yeah. Squirrels on the freeway. Sorry. Try not to create that mental picture.、Um, no, you know what?、Uh, I've never tried that. I think that would be interesting. And sometimes I'm not conscious of like, the really awful things that I say to myself until I, like, I'm like, wait, why am I so down on myself right now? Like, you don't like, almost realize it until the end of the thought.、Um, and, and, um, For me, I realized I don't know how to turn off. Like, so I don't know how to have silence. Cause sometimes I feel like the goal is to have mind silence. And like, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. Like, I just don't know what that would look like in, in a practical way. I think another way of saying that is like inner peace. Oh, <laughs> mind silence. I like that though. And Kristen said mind energy. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> I know when I was listening to it, she's like, I was a very energetic child in the mind. The mind. <laughs> I was like, ah.、Uh. <laughs> Trying、so、to go to that place. Like,、oh, there's a lunatic sitting across from us. <laughs> no, no, no. I got what she was saying because she had like just an active brain. But like for her to at 12 have that kind of negative mental energy is like really tough, I'm sure. I mean, but for me, I guess like. I've resigned myself that I won't be able to turn off and I say tape because I'm still analog for some reason. But,、um, you know, I, 
for me it's like changing what the tape says and like interspersing like the right things like and actually like one of the things that I thought was really um fortuitous before grad school I wrote down all the things that I felt were true about myself and that were true about like that I thought were objective truths like how what my family thinks about me what my friends think about me and like just writing them down because I knew grad school would be this like really awful trying place that's amazing like where did you did you was that just something you came up with yourself? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it obviously didn't de- stop me from like being depressed or sad or frustrated or or feeling helpless sometimes. But I think like it was a really useful practice because I, I just knew that my life would have would be changing from there on out. Like, there's a bunch of like mental and emotional prep things that like I did, but you know, I didn't do that when I got back into the workforce, and you know, that's unfortunate because. You know, like I still feel like I'm in a lot of transition, and so I've let some of that negative back in. Or and and before, one of the mechanisms that I think um, that I had for turning off the tape was just literally turning off. Like I had to go to sleep, and just like, mm, okay, well, if I go to sleep, I'm not going to hear those thoughts anymore. And it's not enough because you know how often are you asleep? And for me, who doesn't get any sleep, I'm only asleep like five hours of the day, and so for the rest of the day, you're just kind of like buzz 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 you know your mind's buzzing and so like reintroducing like another tape like taking the other tape out ripping it up and trying to put another one in man i feel bad for any young listeners they're like what is tape (laughs) what the crap is tape the thing that sticks things together (laughs) it's just an adhesive guys just think of it as that King that that particular walk is like full of fights do you have any other like time of the day or like place or locale that stuff like that happens mentally that's a good question that that because I think that's the number one place that I have that I don't know um, I would I would normally tell you that anywhere where there's I'm not listening to anything in particular that I would have that but but that actually isn't true for example when i'm in the shower i just think about working out for some reason (laughs) (laughs) is it because you're looking at your physique no no i'm just i'm i really just i'm just going through the motions of what i do i don't really know why that happens in the shower but and then when as i'm as i'm going to as i'm trying to sleep i think of music um you think of music you don't listen to music no i mean there's there's no sounds going on um so but my head you know i i I can't really turn my head off you know it just there's always stuff there um and so like i'm saying i was like i was saying that that would be a prime example of a place for me to fight with myself but but when i'm when i'm trying to sleep that just doesn't come to me that way uh and i hear I, i guess it's very specific to my time and place um and so I, I'm not really sure why that that long march is is where I have these uh, intense battles. So. Yeah, I I also feel or I also experience like the crazy night thoughts and morning thoughts. Like I think it's when you're you're just still, you know, and like you don't have like you said anything else going on. Like when I fall asleep, I have all these crazy thoughts 
and loops and fights. And when I wake up, they just all start all over again because I haven't started my day yet. So it's kind of like that sort of slow period when things have a, a chance to start worrying. Um, and it got to a point where like, even now I don't ever just fall asleep, like with silence. Like I have to watch TV or listen to music at night so that like, and I'll just fall asleep. And it was really bad. Like, I don't know, Netflix changed or usually like you could watch Netflix or maybe it was Hulu where you could watch it like maybe for like two hours and then it would ask you if you're still watching it, you know, it's kind of like an automatic sleep mode, but now it just automatically goes to the next episode and so I was streaming like nine hours straight while I was sleeping and the like wireless bill or whatever the uh, internet bill like went through the roof because like you get billed for minutes spent on the internet yeah what are you are you on AOL no it was we're on are uh, you like using those discs (laughs) we're on Cox I don't know what I, I apparently there's some crazy limit that we had never hit in the eight years that I was living in that house and then when they had to, when like huh. whatever streaming thing that I did changed its. <clears throat> Can we take a quick pause? I did, just just advice to to look into that bill. <laughs> just because. Well, I don't live there anymore. Oh, okay, that's no, true. But I mean, my roommate called them and they said like you do have a limit and you'd never ever reached it except this past like whatever. But our devices are on all the time. Like if you leave your phone on, it's it's more about bandwidth. You're paying for bandwidth than you are paying for streaming, streaming thing. Well, I mean, especially if you're streaming something, it, um, it, it can almost correlate to bandwidth. You know. Okay. okay. But yeah, it's yeah, probably well, bandwidth. Stuff on my phone, like, is that different <clears throat> or is that the same? No, I mean, you're probably being charged by, by the memory, by the megabyte yeah. that you're using. All right, this is totally off topic. Well, we're, we're paused, right? I yeah, we, yeah, well, it was, I think it was a good diversion. So, we were, I so we that were everybody paused. can also think we about were their own. We a break. <laughs> and we're back from the break, everybody. Uh, Thanks for making me feel weird when it was something that totally happened. <laughs> no, it did happen. I just it felt was all in your head. bad for Cox doing that to you. Bunch of yeah, you guys can feel that. Are in. we allowed to swear? A bunch of cocks. Uh, probably. I probably might just still like, you know, do a little bleepy bleep thing just for funsies. That's good because funnier with the bleeps. <laughs> right, I've seen those like hilariously inappropriate bleeps like on YouTube. Yeah, 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 exactly. What is that? <laughs> uh, it's when um, it's it's called uh, unnecessary censorship, and uh-huh. I think. Jimmy Kimmel does it in particular, uh-huh. where they'll take any, they'll take a movie or any anything, like a news, any cast. event, yeah, newscast, and it's they'll, very they'll just they'll just insert bleeps everywhere. <laughs> right. yeah. And it's at the right part of the word where it sounds like something else. Like you start with, you know, like and it sounds like anything else that you want to insert there with your mind. Um, what's a good example? I can't but, think of it any off the top of my like, head. Like, like, like today, it's like, what did you do today? Oh, today I washed the dog. But instead of to wash the dog, today I preep the dog. <laughs> so they just, they just stick totally something awful. in there. <laughs> Literally. Um. So what was I going to say? I guess um, with all of this, I'm curious because I've heard this myth that um, males have the ability to turn off their brain. I'm like, do you guys, like ever like 
stop thinking they're like oh yeah all the time and i'm like what are what's that like what's it like not to have where did you hear this i don't know like yeah, I was i've just, never we heard this about... myth before I mean, I know that like women have like the list in their mind when you fall asleep that you can't fall asleep because you're like going over the list of things that need to be done. Like I experienced that. I know a billion people who do. And for some reason, it's been ascribed to women, whereas men just fall asleep. But I don't believe that that's a generalization that should be made. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. But I ask guys all the time and they're like, yeah, my mind just goes blank. I'm like, what? What? And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's inner peace, but I do know like a lot of guys who like will play video games to escape or, um, <clears throat> I guess like, I don't, I don't know. They just, there's just, maybe they're not worried about the same things or can you co- corroborate? Well, I, mean, I wonder what you mean by turn off. I mean, what does that, what does that mean? Um, if someone's playing video games, I mean, obviously they're brain they're not totally off right but maybe they're not they're not communicating with like you know like the id and the super they're just zoning out basically yeah i guess zoning out would be a good way to put that i I guess we i assume that everyone can do that sometime i mean i think well i think i think of my i think of my inner dialogue as zoning out that that is zoning out to me, you know, because I'm not completely focused on whatever's around me. Um, so to me, that is a zone out. Um, Interesting. I don't know. I think part of me is glad that I have an inner dialogue because, like, part of who I want to be is a self aware person. And, like, so part of that self awareness is, like, looking into your motivations. But then you can, like, second guess yourself on things that are completely innocent or, like, things that are okay like oh why did i give that candy bar to someone like what was my true intention there like was i trying to like gain their favor or like you you overdo it do you think that like you have that thought a lot about your uh motivations yeah yeah i'm always checking into my motivations and it's something that i've also (laughs) and maybe it's kiersey's fault but i just find it unavoidable that it's inherently part of who i am that i'll be in a group of people and then i'll go hmm what am i feeling right now what's the atmosphere like how do i fit into this and it's 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 something that i just it's you know like so i guess in learning how to deal with it like i either choose to ignore it or like i choose to act on it you know what do you think that's about like where does that compulsion come from um i think i think it's just that this this part of me that's very abstract where like i'm always me looking at me at the same time um but uh yeah obviously it's productive sometimes and other times it's like well why not just be in the moment you know right well you're trying to read the room basically right and if you don't have that information then what's the consequence uh, then you then you act incorrectly or you you do something to offend someone or like I'm always worried that like like I'll um, I'll I'll take over the conversation and it'll just kill it <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just be like hey everybody I'm the funniest person in the room. oh boom. like and it's like you're, crickets chirping you're such a good conversationalist like you worry that you're not gonna you're gonna kill a conversation <laughs> just murder it. <laughs> I've been told that I'm like really super awkward, so I'm just like, oh, maybe I'm a really super awkward person. Yeah. Who told you that? Who's this person? Point me at them, him or her. 
Oh, okay. Well, let Let's me start going through from conversation killing to real killing. <laughs> oh dear. I I am I'm ready. I've I'm I prefer Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna train um, you know, April and some Krav Maga and then we'll move from the on from there. Can you imagine me doing Krav Maga? No. No, but it would be hilarious if that happened. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Or if you had like a pet dinosaur. I don't know. Those are the scenarios that run through my mind in terms of April sicking something on well, someone. Speaking of Krav Maga and like interesting physical things, King, you do a lot of interesting physical things. What are some things that you do? Oh, uh, I, they're not that interesting, I guess. But um, I, I enjoy indoor rock climbing, and uh, I do some CrossFit right now. So I know that's kind of a dirty word, but <laughs> but I enjoy it. Where do you do your CrossFit? Uh, I go to a place called South Coast CrossFit, and by uh, South Coast Plaza. Uh, it's yeah, yes, it's near that, but it's, I, I think it was more just right behind John Wayne Airport. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's that like? Um, it's, uh, it's 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 pretty intense. Um, I like the efficiency of it because it's um, weight lifting but cardio simultaneously. So you get a lot done in a short period of time. Um, a lot of people complain about CrossFit, saying that there's such a high likelihood of injury. It's it's in my opinion, it's kind of true, um, but. Um, I'm not, I'm not, it's kind of, it's sort of a risk and a a risk that should be taken intelligently. Mm -hmm. And you rock climb? Do you have like goals when you rock climb or? Um, Yeah, kind of. I, I I do bouldering mostly in in my gym and uh, I, I I don't know if anyone else does this sort of thing, but I just very tend to be kind of organized so i assign different climbs a, a point value based on its difficulty rating and then i just try to make sure that i've um climbed up a, a minimum sum of of points just to once i've done that then i decide that i'm finished you know for that day um and then you know just always trying to do a harder one do you find that your brain kind of settles during that time when you're doing like CrossFit and rock climbing? <clears throat> that is a good question. I'm only really thinking about what I'm doing when I, when I do those things. Uh, and rock climbing in particular, um, especially s- since CrossFit is generally has a class structure, you're doing it with other people. Um, my my rock climbing is a little more solitary so so once i'm on the wall i'm just doing it and there's no one else around me typically so i'm just thinking about this boulder problem trying to solve it mm-hmm. so, so that's a good question how to attack this boulder problem how yeah that's cool I, okay so um so- are you would you describe yourself then as someone who like lives very much in the moment or is very like laser focused on the task or do you find and I, I, w- I wonder if this is the the pendulum right like are you focused in on what's happening in the moment or are you focused in on what is happening in your interior life like does that make sense as a distinction is that like is that a, a continuum that that's you know like you're either in the moment or you're, you know, you're reflecting. 
and and if so then um where would you put yourself on that continuum like more in the moment or more reflective is is a general question about myself mm-hmm. um, and april will answer too just for funsies i don't i don't know um i I feel like if I'm doing something, I'm just thinking about that thing, you know, and then, and then when I have a moment of silence or, or I'm not doing anything, that's, that's when my, that's when my head starts talking to itself. I I guess, I, I guess that would mean that I'm more in the moment then. That makes sense. Where am I on the spectrum? I, I don't. I just made up the spectrum, so you can like put yourself wherever you want. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to. I'm not really sure how to answer that in, in that term. Okay, okay. How would you answer that? I'm definitely on the more reflective, like the, and I, maybe that's part of what the inner dialogue is about too. Because, yeah, you're just like thinking about what you're thinking about. Do you ever guys ever read like self-help books? No, not not recently. Okay. Uh, no, I, I I read a dating book once. Is that does that count? <laughs> I guess that counts. Sure, that counts. Well, I'm referring to um, the very popular international bestseller by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. Pretty sure that's what it's called. And I didn't read the entire thing, but because self-help books are really hard to read because it's a lot of information like a lot and I can't process and practice all of it at once you know so usually like I'll just take one thing that really is very helpful and then just try to sort of like live that and apply that to my life you know in the next like week or two weeks or whatever and so just in the introduction like he says you know instead of getting down on yourself because you're having these thoughts, these negative thoughts or thought loops or whatever, instead of getting down on yourself by saying, oh, I hate it when I think like this or whatever, a more constructive way to look at it is sort of like to separate yourself, see your brain as a machine and go, oh, this is what my brain does. Like, and you kind of separate yourself from, from, from that obsessive you know, process that you put yourself through and go, oh, isn't it interesting that I always do this? You know, and so like you were saying, rather than focusing on guilt and like, why am I like this? Then think about, you know, actions and how can I change this? You know, so you're not like implicating yourself into being a dick or being, you know, like pathetic or something like that. Like going, oh, I seem to always go to this thought pattern. Why don't I try to change that? And I don't know. I always felt that really helpful. In other words, blame someone else. No, not blame someone else. <laughs> if your brain can be considered someone else. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I, I find so- that that's probably the most helpful piece of advice I've heard in a really, really, really long time. And, you know, a lot of people were like, well, you can't separate yourself from your brain. Your brain is you, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it's like, but it does something in a certain way. And if I can understand how it works, then I can change it you know right like um whereas you often feel like you can't change yourself because you are who you've been for a really long time but it kind of gives you that sort of like agency to say this is something that just happens and why don't i try something different 
So instead of having these like repetitive thoughts about myself or my family or like my relationship, you know, like instead just be like, oh, that's weird. Oh, the funny thing that this thing is wired to do something like this, you know, then I'm just repeating myself over and over and over again right now. But no, 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 I totally get it. I think, I think from what I'm hearing from what you're saying too is like, you know, our brain is hardwired for certain behaviors actually you know like that are formed you know like throughout the course of our life and when those behaviors keep happening then the stronger that neuron pattern is right and then like i mean uh this is a question we talk about a lot even um just at church like can people change and and um you know, like everybody feels differently about that, but like they found evidence at UCLA's like neuro, uh, neuroscience department that, you know, you can like rewire the neurons, you know, and it takes a lot of work, but to, to do that. And and in that sense, yeah, the brain is this machine that you can, you can hopefully like find different ways of doing something, you know, but I think it takes like an equal, an opposite force, right? Like that that idea of inertia, like you're stuck on this path and then boom, some other opposite force. And for me, it actually has to be more external than internal, you know? Um, someone else has to like reaffirm some of those things for me. Like not, it can't come from me because then I think it's false, you know? Can you, can you change yourself to think that it can come from you? I think I think that's an important part of it because you can't, you can't just rely on um external forces all the time and you can't rely on um yeah you can't rely on yeah are you talking about getting a push from someone or something like that yeah like just to set you off on another path but um also like you can't be a victim to your own self-pity i guess because that's where i live in it's like this wonderful place of wallowing in self-pity it's great you guys should all take a swim But, I think uh, I'm a regular. <laughs> great, great. We all have, we all have a membership to that to that gym or that pool. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess I, I guess what do you, what do you think, King? Like, um, in terms of like re- rewiring your brain, have you ever thought about you know if, when you take those steps from your garage to your front door, like that it's something that you can change or want to change? Well, I think that's definitely something I'll have to think about now. So, I did th- think that April's discussion was really interesting, even from a, a biological perspective, actually. Um, you can't really separate your mind from your brain, but your brain is actually multiple brains. You know, people may forget that, but you've got two mammalian brains stacked on top of a brainstem and a bunch of other little things, you know, and some of them are downright reptilian. So there's a lot going on in your head uh, and it all boils down into one thing. So if you end up questioning yourself, you know, I don't think that's too surprising. And um, if, um, if there's a way to rewrite those pathways and get to something more positive, then that's definitely something that I want to give a try. Yeah, let's oh do it gosh. right now. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> well, Vanessa is a dinosaur. <clears throat> she did it. She did it. I'm a velociraptor. <laughs> and I'm going to eat my problems. As a dinosaur. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there's a velociraptor in the pool. Please look at the pool. Get the oh, crap out of my that, pool. That image, just like a velociraptor, just so confused in a pool. Do they swim? Dude, velociraptors can do anything. Have you not seen the movies? <laughs> do they do a backstroke or a breaststroke or? A... You know they had feathers, right? Oh yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, You're very knowledgeable on velociraptors. Tell us a little bit. Velociraptors. They're like size of turkeys and they had feathers. Wait, turkeys? So awesome. Wait a second. What? Why are they so large in the movie then? Because at that time they picked a different dinosaur called Deinonychus to play that <gasps> role. But they thought Deinonychus was a stupid Miscast. name. Miscast. So they called it the Velociraptor. But in fact, Velociraptors only come to like your knee and they're covered in feathers and they're totally awesome little Wait, guys. Wait, is this, is this a product of the filmmaking or is it Michael Crichton like writing something like Velociraptors are, you know, like not large turkeys? <laughs> is it Michael Crichton? I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, is it Crichton? Crichton. Oh dear. They should have renamed him too. <laughs> yeah. Michael. Put a K in there. Jurassic Park by Michael Keaton. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be awesome if like it was like a multiplicity, like Michael Keaton just running around in Jurassic Park? <laughs> yeah, he I just like how he went to keeps getting eaten over Batman. and over and over. I was like, no, Michael Keaton was kind of cool in Batman, so we're just gonna go to the weird place. I, okay. All right, Michael, multiple Michael Keatons <laughs> running around. Chasing children. <laughs> Michael Keaton is in the pool. Please exit the pool. See, he can actually swim. That's the problem. Like, that's scary. You know, he's the appetite of a velociraptor. Okay. Yeah. Never so, mind. Anyway, mental health. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes, mental health. Right. <laughs> I think we got some really good discussion though about a lot of these topics. I, I, I'm actually curious. Like you said that you don't really think about identity a lot, and um, I guess for me, identity does inform a lot of what I do. But I, I think because you're someone on the opposite side of the continuum that I just made up today, which is like living in the moment, like um, what then informs like a lot of your decisions or how you you take the next step or why you wake up in the morning. Another way. Do you know do you know your Myers Briggs curiosity whatever thing? Personality? Is that the one that's like I N T something something? Uh-huh. I don't I haven't done that in a long time, but when I did it in Wait, stop high- for a second. Vanessa guess. Well, it's a little game that we I, we should actually start keeping score. But I, from our conversations, I want to say he's an INTJ and just the way the discussion's been going, but uh, I still... The mastermind. But then... In, wait, introvert, intuitive, thinking, judging. That is correct, April. You're getting really good at this. <laughs> the last time you were like... I wait, wait, know that's a- also known as a mastermind? Yeah, see, now you want to be that. Describe the mastermind. Oh, uh, I feel like the mastermind, what, one of, like, all the rationals, like, their main goal is efficiency. And um, it, 
it tends to make them want to change structures or um, be like an engineer in every situation that they encounter. So what's the most efficient way to get to this or to that? And um, what else about masterminds? I think it's funny because Kiersey matches up uh, champions and masterminds as being like, like very good complimentary people. But I've like... You're a champion. I'm a champion. Yeah, I'm an ENFP, uh, extroverted, intuitive, feeling, perceiving. But I think their their ITJ also makes them very like stubborn. <laughs> so, and then the EF, ENFPs just get really excited, and then they get stubborn about whatever it is that they're excited about. So I've had a lot of debates with INTJs. I feel like I'm constantly in dialogue with them, and sometimes it's it's arguments. Sometimes it's just it's just dialogue. Like they want to analyze the situation from all sides and, and to, um, and to, um, come at the best solution. And, and part of like, and, and something you said reminded me of like what INTJs do, which is like accuracy in, in, in definition or like, they're the types who are like, well, what's the source of that? You know, like, you this this there is this fact out there but what is the actual like basis for that like what's the research and i think the way they like to see themselves is like resolute independent and brilliant so i don't know does that is that it are you she right when i took the test in high school i scored as an intj (gasps) this was that what (laughs) i have a very short memory that that is what she guessed that i would be wow and so she earned her name, Champ. <laughs> Thank you. You are two for three. Who was the person I didn't? Oh, Anita. Yeah. I totally missed on Anita. Yeah. As a follow-up, if anyone's because she's interested. a liar. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. She went to USC, and thus she was changed. Oh, oh, well, she's oh. a Bruin first, and then. Came. So she's a traitor. Yeah. It's even worse. Yeah. Exactly. We definitely put her over the coals for that one. But yeah, I don't know. Oh, so uh. Before the tangent, yeah. What? Oh, what informs your everyday? Like, what informs like, like why you get up and like all those things. If not identity, which is not something, or maybe it does, but you're not conscious of it. Basically, I'm just trying to do everything with maximum efficiency. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I just. Um, I guess I do what I. I don't know, you, people get into routines, so I, I suppose that's really the simplest explanation to explain what I do, but day-to-day speaking. But um, I feel like I can sometimes do something unusual suddenly. Like, um, for example, last year I, I got into clam fishing, um, how did I get into that? Everyone wants to know. Well, all, all it is... <laughs> yes, inquiring all, minds were, like, and, clamoring. And, and yes, and, and I literally just saw a video of a guy fishing, digging for clams on the, on the, on the beach in low tide. And I was like, that's so amazing. <laughs> and then I just kept watching videos of people doing it. And then I was like, well, shit, now I go to the beach and I dig up clams. <laughs> Wait, so, are you serious? I mean, so it just came out of nowhere. It, so. Has it been successful, though? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got my spot. I got my special spot, and uh, I'm actually going on a road trip in a month, and uh, I'm seeking to do a bunch of uh, fishing all along the coast. So, um, 
so I, I don't know. I'm just trying to make this answer more interesting. But you know, I think day to day, I just have my routines. But I, I, don't, I, I feel like I can make sudden, sudden cho- choices for almost no reason. I just see something and become fixated on it. Um, I just, I guess, um, I guess I, I, I see things and I just like them a lot, and I'll just take an opportunity or something like that. I hope that answers the question. Yeah. No. 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 I, I don't know how to answer that question. It's a real hard question. It is a hard question. I think, like, because it gets into some personal territory a lot of times. But even, you know, I think... I don't go about maybe consciously thinking third generation Chinese-American female. But, like, sometimes when you encounter situations, like, you know, those different parts come out. You know, like, we talk about sexism, and then I have to think of myself as a female or as a female who's not just just like white female like i'm a minority female or you know like i think in the workplace of like age a lot of times too like or who's playing what role and what authority do we have to do this and that but i mean and sometimes getting what why you get up in the why you get up in the morning isn't really associated with identity it's associated with something maybe that you're seeking i think those situations sort of have to present themselves Obviously, I mean, your identity doesn't matter much to getting up in the morning, I guess, but maybe how you interact with people, that's where it will play a larger role. <clears throat> I like comfort. I like um, examination. Um, and I like connection. Interestingly enough, those seem, those things kind of can conflict a lot, right? examination and and comfort yeah but i think like examination with safe people i suppose um if that makes sense makes complete sense yeah it's hard to find those people this is happening exactly as we're talking about it you know we're like examining our brains and how we think and how we work but i'm with king and i'm with you know you vanessa and it's interesting and it's enlightening and and no one's attacking anybody which is nice just a lot of michael keaton's <laughs> watch out for that guy right <laughs> well well maybe i mean since vanessa asked the question maybe <clears throat> maybe the way that you conduct yourself is a little bit more resultant of your identity um I agree. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that's true. Um, uh, it, it's probably something that like consciously like it's it's that moment where I'm like I'm here and then I'm also looking at the person who's there. You know, like and there's this always this step back. So I think maybe if I attempted to also like just live more in the moment or be focused i think i have trouble focusing actually and that's inherently yeah, you don't have to tell me that twice man <laughs> i've known you for a long ass time velociraptors um <laughs> yeah no and, and so because of that you know like uh i think probably that's why i have trouble being in the moment is because i can like always focus like my my attention is split between these things that are what i perceive to be important so um yeah, no, but I, I like what you said. Like, sometimes identity is very contextual, right? Um, and probably how you 
are thinking about a situation is very contextual. I, you know, you don't you don't know something until you bump up against what it is not or like what you are not. You know, I can give you an example actually. Oh, how, we like examples. How my okay, so okay, I, so I'm Asian. So I, I've heard. <laughs> Tell us more. And um, and you know, depending where you live, you you may know more or less other Asians, right? And so where I live, I mean, there's there's you know there's there are Asians in Irvine, obviously, plenty of Asians, but but <clears throat> they it tends to be sort of concentrated a little bit. So and. So you might let's maybe you work in a place where there aren't a whole lot of other Asians, right? So where I work, there's mostly white folks. Um, but something happens to me when I see another Asian in my office, um, like someone who's consulting for us or something like that. They'll come in and and I don't like to show this, but I'm I'm very ethnocentric. I'm when I see another Asian person I get very excited. So like because I wanna be like <laughs> it doesn't really matter if it's a man or a woman or if they're old or young or something. I just want to be like, hey let's be friends. <laughs> you know <clears throat> I'm totally that way yeah. too. But 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 you know I don't want to be like I don't want to appear to be so ethnocentric. So um so I, I tend to overcompensate. And I, 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 I don't, them, I don't like, really, yes, sort of, <laughs> kind of, um, I, I don't really oh, know no. what they're thinking, but I, I, I suspect that I appear cold. So, um, and I, I, it's really stupid. I don't really know how to, uh, play that properly, but that's, that's, that's one thing that affects how I behave, um, and is also related to my identity. It's hard to to put that out there but i mean i'm totally the same way like i don't have too many asians at my workplace and when one shows up i'm like yay (laughs) sister brother (laughs) i you know same thing and but you know what so i i tend to get over enthusiastic i don't think you might ever have that problem to be honest king i don't i don't think you would like go over and shake their hand and be like Let's be friends. But I probably intensely like steal glances at them. Like, when will we be friends? <laughs> no, I totally do that though. Friendship. I in think five. Four, <laughs> the thing is, I think people think. Yeah, I, I can totally understand if someone thinks I'm creepy though, because because oh. I tend to do that, you know. So. I think we should all like get tips for from each other. I'm like, okay, so I made a friend. I made a friend at work, an Asian friend, <laughs> and this is how I went about doing it, and we weren't creepy together. Maybe if they show mutual excitement, then it's cool. Yeah, I think um, that happened with one of my very good friends, Tiffany. Um, she came to work, and I won't say that I was rooting her for her more, more than other people who were up for the position, but, it, well, it doesn't matter because it, I don't have any say in it, you know, like, mm-hmm. I have no influence whatsoever in that process but like you know i wanted her to work there she seemed nice and and we became friends like in two seconds and it was like immediate and we've only you know become better friends and um i forgot where i was going with this (laughs) where are you going with that um no i think i think uh we were just talking about like identity and context and and like 
when are you in the moment and when are you kind of like reflective but uh do we get any questions for today's podcast we did not get any questions for today's podcast um but we do have a lot left over from last time about dating and so why don't we just do that because like i enjoy talking about it i know king enjoys talking about it um and uh i'm just gonna read a couple and you can answer anyone that strikes your fancy all right um this is from Tiffany. What's your best worst dating story? This is from <laughs> my friend Nicole. Have you ever been on a blind date? How do you feel about them? This is from you, King. What's the best way to hit on someone on Facebook? <laughs> and this is my friend Chris. When did you know they were the one? How fast did you know the date was going nowhere? And what is the cheapest date you have ever gone on? <gasps> so take your pick. Tell me which one and then I'll, we gotta do this other thing first. I think we should talk about the worst dates. Oh, you've got good stories, apparently. <laughs> I, I well, I guess because I know how to answer that one right away. Okay. So. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, right, Tiffany, I already gave you a lot of love, so uh, I can't do the three amazing things about Tiffany like twice in a row. <laughs> so please, can't go ahead. Um. So. I was I was still using a dating site at the time, and I don't remember this girl's name right now. But I'll no, don't don't say it, <laughs> even if you did. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so you know we had to communicate online, and um, I've I've tried various things to see what's good and what's not good. And um, during this time, I was trying to be more just. Uh, direct and less cautious so uh at this time i saw that she enjoyed karaoke and i actually liked to karaoke also um so so um rather than meet for coffee or something like that we just went for our first time out we just went straight to going to karaoke place this sounds promising (laughs) well it sounds okay but but to make it less awkward i you know i said that she should just bring her friends and stuff like that and i would bring some friends and then but and when we when we met you know first of all she didn't really look like what i thought she would look like you know so i feel i feel really bad about it actually that's kind of par for the course isn't it um not always i've seen i've met people who looked even better you know were better looked More better. looked, looked uh, prettier than their pictures actually but anyway rank. <laughs> we'll talk about it offline <laughs> um but anyway uh, i you know i I'm feel i feel bad about it because i didn't really i don't feel like i conducted myself very well but in any case we went into the karaoke room and she was terrible <laughs> she was like and um i kept thinking to myself and i kept thinking to myself that well i you know i need to I should try to get to know her or something like that, you know. <laughs> even, but as one does on a date. Yeah, right. But it was just so strange because there were other people there and there was music going on and we we're all looking at this screen and it was totally awful. I mean, it, um, it, it, I mean, the singing was bad and, and I, I, you know, I, I could have done a lot better. I think I could have been nicer. Well, it should um, be said that King is a musician himself, and not only that, but he is kind of a karaoke master like i've seen it it's amazing we went to a bar he like brought down the house Aww. it was crazy 
I was very, very, very impressed. It was, it was pretty cool. So this podcast like, after this is moving to the karaoke zone, but yeah. I'm yeah. okay with that. Backstage, <laughs> backstage. Do you like wait? Do you like rooms or do you like bars? Um, room rooms are for practice. The bar is the oh, real thing. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh man, we know, we know a lot of good karaoke places out here. April's a good singer too. Yes, she just she gets I've into it. Karaoke in front of you. Yeah, we sang a bunch of Oasis songs. Oh yeah, well Oasis is easy. Oasis you can sing like. With but those notes. are good sing along. Like those, I think I think like Oasis songs are good choices because you can get the room singing with you, which I think is important. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but I have an official ban on Wonderwall though. No more. No Never. more. Never. <laughs> Then which one? What Oasis song must you sing if there's no Oasis song? Um, what is... What's the one that has Itchin' in the Kitchen in it? Uh, She's Electric? Is that no, the that's one? not it. Morning Glory? That's a good song, too, but that's not that one. She's in the Kitchen. Ah, oh, it's going to annoy me that I wasn't able to pull that out of my head. Um, I'm looking for the therapy cards, Vanessa. Where are they? Where'd they go? Where did you... I found them. I don't know where you're looking, but I found them. So sorry about that. But uh, the last thing we do here is something called therapy flashcards, which is probably the most uncomfortable part of our podcast. <laughs> we like to end on a very tense. Note. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, uh. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? Now I feel bad about myself again. <laughs> like after we came to like some resolution about feeling better about well, ourselves. Well, I'll just after we do this, I'll just call King an even more amazing karaoke singer guy than ever before so well i already believe it i feel like he uses his laser focused determination to like be a karaoke master like if he put his mind to it he would achieve it like bouldering for That's instance one thing about king is that i feel like you want you like to become a master of things and put the work into it and and improve and become really good at it well thank you that wasn't a compliment it was just an observation. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, I'll take the, it back. These huh? are the facts. These are the facts. So therapy flashcards. Go ahead, April. Please describe. I just found these at Barnes & Noble in their little kitschy novelty area. And uh, they're, there's terrified. a therapy-related term on one side. At the other side, it's the description. Example, we have our person pick one at random and then talk about how it relates to their life or if they have an experience in that. So I'm holding out the cards that are of many beautiful colors, and Kang is, looks just terrified, I, I, not even holding out his I, hands. I, okay. Maybe one of us starts so that it makes it a little easier. No, he's a man. He can do it. <laughs> Sexism. <laughs> All right, I'm now going to draw a terrify card. <laughs> Not a tarot card, a terrified card. Oh, that's oh. a good one. Wait, what am I supposed to do? Just read the front word and then the, the description. Not that. Empathy. Way. I'm supposed to read the definition? The capacity to understand and enter into another person's emotions or perspective. Distinguished from sympathy as feeling with rather than feeling for. Characterized by the lack of empathy. Uh, uh, that confused me. I'm not good at comprehending reading. <laughs> Lack of empathy. Disregard for some or all emotions, narcissism, limited life experience, dichotomous thinking, callousness. Uh, excess of empathy. Quality of having no skin. Tendency to feel everybody's pain. Hypersensitivity. And then there's a picture of some people playing chess, and the guy says, have you no empathy for my stalemate? 
Hmm. No one said they were funny. (laughs) Yeah, not the the strongest. I think mine was one of the funniest. So how do you... How would you like to relate that to your life? Sometimes I empathize with people. (laughs) Do Do you find it very easy to empathize with others? Ah. Sometimes probably too much. Um, it's, you know, there's people who kind of play devil's advocate. Um, it's almost, it's almost a compulsion in itself and I'm that person sometimes. So when they say that there's, you know, every, you know, there's always two sides to the story. I think that I temp, I, I feel like I empathize too much even sometimes with the other side, so to speak. Good, so good bad, answer. Yeah, I'm going to go shoot myself now. <laughs> <sighs> well, leave the macarons. <laughs> I don't know. No you, one likes this you, game. You might want to add a trigger warning to the start of this podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. you're right. Okay. Trigger is one of the words. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Uh, 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 what are you trying to get? I, this one... All right, dysfunctional. Okay, dysfunctional. Incapable of functioning or responding in adequate or healthy ways in life or relationship arenas. Characterized by craziness. I'm sure that's the, you know, technical term for it. Inability to perform at simple levels despite unpleasant consequences. Repetition of unsuccessful behaviors. Totally whacked out families. Need for psychotherapeutic intervention. Addiction. I feel like it's like they don't have any progression to some of these things. So I'm like whacked out families is is right next to the the repetition of unsuccessful behaviors. Yeah, it's kind of awkward to read. I like it though. I mean, it's just it's just wordy, but the 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 juxtaposition of like when they're kidding and when they're not is is unclear. And then um, next, oh dear, this is a trigger warning podcast because on the the therapy flashcard, there's a small girl with a large rifle, and she says, "I'll show them who's dysfunctional." <laughs> I thought that was a stripper pole. <laughs> oh, that would have been less inappropriate at this point um well this functional it's so funny because um i was um talking with ann who uh uh we were we were there for her baby shower and um i was talking to her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law was describing my documentary to some people and she was like oh yeah ann's family gets to look dysfunctional on camera and i'm like oh my gosh that's not what this movies about and i felt really really uncomfortable and i don't think she meant it in a way that like was truthful or you know like hurtful but i was just like oh my gosh please stop saying that out loud because it's like it's you're these people are still operating within their different spheres and i want them to see this documentary i think i think they should be proud of the stuff that they did and 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 where their family went and how candid they were able to be and so to be called dysfunctional right out it's not i mean that's the thing that I want to work against is when we talk about Asian American families I think there are some dysfunctions but to characterize silence and shame as completely dysfunctional all the time is probably not the best way to go and I'm sure she did that unwittingly but I was just like super uncomfortable with that so that was lately my (laughs) encounters with the word dysfunction alright wait wait you're not going to do it 
I don't think we should do three. Yeah, you're right. I think I think we're running out of time here. So I'm gonna meet my uh, gentleman caller. <laughs> I'm definitely still including that part in the podcast. Okay, well, thank you so much, King. I hope you found this to be fun and stimulating and all that other good jazz. You are such a great guest. I'm so happy to have you on and so glad that you could come here. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and you're the only guest who brought us something. Yeah, totally. King brought macaroons or whatever. Macarons. Macarons. Whatever. Macaroni. Macaroni. He brought all those things. And shell pasta and, and a good sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. So he's much. he's our um he's our star guest because he brought us stuff. Yeah. Everybody else needs to kind of just step it up. Step up their game. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> okay, well thank you and we're signing off. <laughs>